Hey, fan bros, this is Tatiana King-Jones. We have an awesome episode up ahead for you. But remember, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. We're everywhere. Holla. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, Fan Bros, to Fan Bros Show. It's your boy, DJ Ben-Hameen. I'm... Hype because it's a brand new year. And welcome to Fan Bro Show, the voice of the Urban Geek. And I'm joined here by Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech. And it's a brand new day. I feel like we're in the whiz. I'm so happy. Everything just went to bright color from black and white. It's like amazing. 2015 looks has such better graphics than 2014. <laughs> Let me tell you. This is like a PS1 versus PS4. It is insanity. Everything went into HD when the clock struck 4K, 6K, HD, double screen, 3,000 PPI. I mean, the best you know, in the world. I'm sitting here listening to you, Tatiana, and yes. it sounds like your voice is in a new stereo or something. It's Does like every, everything is all crisp and pumping right now, you know? You got Beats by Dre suddenly installed know. into everyone's vocal cords. Either that or the aliens from Interstellar visited us. You know, something happened. But something whatever, happened. fan bros, it is 2015. Thank you for joining us in the new year. Yes. Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek. You love it. You know, you've been here before. You're back. Everything's glorious. You're alive. You're listening to the best podcast in the universe. We'll hope you're alive if you're listening. I mean, why not? We'll take the dead, too. You know, (laughs) Walking Dead, Zombies, you know, Undead, Bulls, Liches, you know, Lich Kings. Shout out. You know, real quick. We have one of the biggest guests tonight. Big shout outs to Axel Alonso, the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. Shut the French up. Yes, joining us in the spaceship tonight for an exclusive interview. Ben, I mean, I'm ready. All right. I'm ready for the goodness. You know, yeah, we're not going to waste any more time right here. Let's take a short break, and we'll be right back with Atso Alonzo and the Fan Bros. Hey, Chico Leo, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to subscribe to Fan Bros. Fan Bros? What's that? It's the voice of the urban geek. The voice of the what? The voice of the urban geek. That sounds so cool. How do I follow that? Uh, You can go to iTunes or Twitter or the or the internet at large and and look for Fan Bros Show and you can like, you can subscribe, and you can watch a lot of Star Wars. Chico Leo, do you use the internet a lot? And welcome back, fan bros. I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. It's your boy, DJ Benjamin, alongside Tatiana Keene-Jones. And our guest tonight, he entered the comic book business as an editor at DC Comics for the genre-bending imprint Vertigo. Then he went on to help launch the acclaimed Max line of Marvel, working his way up to now being the top dog, the latter-day Stan Lee, the modern-era Jim Shooter, the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. Bars. Welcome, fan bros, Axel Alonzo to the spaceship. All right, all right, all right, How you doing, sir? I'm good. Quite an intro. <laughs> you know, we got, we got to have some bombast to it, you know, we got yeah. to bring it out, you know. All right, well, fam, uh, I mean, Axel, this is Fan Bros Show, you know, the voice of the urban geek. And our first question up for you is, when did you first know that you were a fan bro? When did I know? Um, when I was at the spinner rack when I was about maybe six years old and I was picking through comic books and I saw Luke Cage here for hire and I said, that's the one I want right there. The black flotation comic book. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. Yeah. One of the first comics ever read. Nice one. With the Christmas and all that. Sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas and all. Oh, those are some classics. Nice. So I have to ask, how does it feel to have like the greatest job in the universe right now? It feels pretty darn good. I yeah. got to admit, yeah, it's it's you know what's funny is that growing up, I never even would have imagined having this job or even a career in comic books. Um, so uh, to be here mm-hmm. without it having without it being my master plan is even is even weirder. Really, mm-hmm. it was a very weird road to get here. But now that I'm here, I feel like I was born to have this job. Can you speak a little bit on that weird road you're alluding to? Like, well, I never ever pursued. Um, I never ever pursued this career. Mm. Uh, it, I never considered it to be an option. Uh, my parents were immigrants, so I, as far as my education went, it was very more practical. Um, 
you know, I have a, I have an undergraduate degree in double in sociology and politics, and I have a master's oh. in journalism. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, none of that was uh, paving a road for a comic book career. <laughs> Sitting on a shelf. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but I always had a deep love for comic books that started when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and, um, and somehow comics found me. Wow. That's incredible. Like, I'm just, like, looking at you, like, could you imagine as a kid, just like, yeah, you know, I like video games. I like, me, I like comic books. It, it's it's crazy. When I remember picking up those comic books off the, the spinner rack at the yeah. five and dime, you know, yeah. reading Stan Lee's, you know, little soapbox and all the rest, you know, to have his job is, is uh, it's a ridiculous honor. And, and I take mm-hmm. it seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell me, like, what? give me maybe an insight into the day of the life of EIC of Marvel. Well, as editor in chief, uh, the first thing I need to do is is um, not get too mired in the details. Mm-hmm. I have a, an incredible staff of editors who supervise, you know, hundreds of writers and artists around the world, and so for me, it's it's being able to um, not micromanage, mm-hmm. uh, to take the larger macro view, and to the degree that I can, nudge the line in directions I want to go. Um, it's the job does require countless meetings with writers and editors and story conference about the larger stories that we're doing. Um, interventions on occasion when skirmishes break out. Yeah. Uh, being aware of all things that are going on in publishing. And to some degree also as Marvel becomes more prominent through its, its it, you know, its emergence on the big screen and now in television to have a coordinated plan with the mm. different divisions. So my job is always changing. No day is no day is quite the same. I see. And you also mentioned that the fact that you coordinate all the different divisions, and you know, obviously the Marvel film universe is just going gangbusters right now. So like, how I, I know you want to have more of a macro uh, overview, but like, how much are you involved in that, making sure that both of those universes, the comic universe and the cinematic universe, mesh with each other? Well, no one in editorial has a, a, a huge role yeah. in, in the movies. That's that's definitely the West Coast division. That's Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige and his group. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, read scripts and we provide notes. Um, as you'll see, a lot of the, the movies of late have picked up on stories that were developed within the last decade with this editorial right. group, The Winter Soldier, yep. mm-hmm. uh, being a, a perfect example of that. Civil War. Exactly, exactly. Much of the stuff on the fam- uh, the film slate. Um, and also, uh, you know, we're, we're aware of and taking a good hard look at uh, the new movies. You know, I'm, I myself am super excited about Captain Marvel and, of course, Black Panther. Yes. Yeah. Uh, two characters <laughs> that I think it's a long time coming. I, I, I go way back with the Black Panther, one of my favorite characters of all time. I remember when I first read the Black Panther... Full disclosure, he had the greatest costume in comic books. I was mildly disappointed when he peeled off the mask and he was black. I wanted him to be Mexican. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I was like, what the? And that was the beauty is that you know he had the best. He, there was something something yeah. different about this guy. Yeah. He had a bit of a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He was imperious. I knew there's something different about him. I just didn't know it was that. And I think that was the beauty. Um, mm. You know, he's the first first black superhero, not African American, but first black superhero. And and I still think leaps and heads, you know, the best. Definitely. As a journalist, you wrote about a blind boxer and a pimp who was also an inventor. Mm-hmm. So, and then and when you first got to Vertigo, and even like you said at Marvel, you worked on the Max line, and a bunch of, you know, really off, very different, quirky, edgy type books. What attracts you to that in your storytelling or in your editing? Well, I think that, um, especially in the early part of my career, um, I was interested in doing stuff that other people weren't doing. So when uh, Bill Jemis, who was the president of Marvel uh, back in the day, back uh, year 2000, yep. came to me and asked me if I'd be interested in working for Marvel, I wasn't. Because at the time, I wasn't particularly interested with anything in anything they were doing. But I was interested in their characters. So for me, it was all about, um, it's all about those characters and how great they are and how much you're allowed to play with them, bend them, and, and occasion break them. So... Um, you know, in the early part of my career, I, I think I was very interested in telling stories that no one else was telling. As I've, as I've um, matured, for lack of a better word, yeah. I think I'm, I'm more willing to um, take a look at the, the, the breadth of material that's out there. You know, I'm maybe more interested in doing the blockbusters as well as the indie films. And that's a question I have now, because it's like when you're at Marvel, now you have to appeal 
to all bases instead of just being able to do okay you know a max line now you have to you know do every line you're doing you know big things like secret wars coming up how do you balance your own personal taste with you know having to have this corporate juggernaut underneath you well what i'd say is that no editor um in comic books at least should be looking to produce only comic books that they would read um your your goal is to create comic books that will find an audience that you think speak to someone out there. Obviously, I think what your responsibility to do is to make it real, to find the right people, uh, to tell that story, um, and most occasions listen to those people about what they want to do and and decide if, if you're the one to help them do it, and, and then do it. Um, but I, I think that there can be a misconception sometimes that you should only produce comic books that would be exactly the kind of thing you would want to read. Oh, that's not really your job. Your job is to create something for an audience out there, to imagine an audience um, or, or to imagine content that will appeal to a, a particular audience. You know, Ms. Marvel, which is one of our, our breakout hits of the last year, um, I look at as being one of our flagship books, um, was a book that, um, that had I been the spearhead editor on that, I would not have been creating that because I thought it spoke to me. Mm-hmm. But I certainly would have thought it spoke to someone. And I'm quite certain that the editors at the time, Steve Wacker and Son Amanat, um, had the same perspective. Yeah. You know, what you're saying um, also speaks to me because I would think as an editor, you also want to reach out to people to kind of harness their creativity and their imagination. And in doing that, people have called you a risk taker and, you know, called you edgy as well. But do you think that term edgy maybe boxes you in a bit? I think so, yeah. Um, there there may be in a time when... when the body of work that I edited um, was edgy, but it also might have been a product of the fact that I worked for a quote edgy imprint at Vertigo DC Comic Books. Um, I wasn't paid to do, you know, um, uh, uh, conventional stuff at the time, yeah. so I, I didn't I didn't go for that. And when I when I transitioned to Marvel, the the president made it very clear to me he wanted me to take chances to go crazy. Um, we're we're, we're currently celebrating the anniversary of a book called Ecstatics that I spearheaded. And that was an X-Men book where Bill came to me and said, hey, you know, take an X title, anyone you want, and do whatever you want with it. Mm. To which I responded, I don't really want to edit an X-Men book. And he said, well, too bad because you're editing one. <laughs> and he said, pick a title and run with it. So I took the challenge. I, I took a, a book called X-Force because I just thought the name was goofy. Yes. And uh, a British writer by the name of Peter Milligan happened to be in town. So I said, hey, Peter, let's go out and have some beers. And I said, how about you write an X-Men book? And he said, no, thanks, mate. And seven beers later, he not only was writing it, but he'd already plotted out the first issue and we knew exactly what we were doing. And really what happened there was that, you know, the only game I knew at the time was to subvert. And we said, look, you know, the mutant metaphor, yeah. the mutant analogy is that, you know, is, is about difference. And a lot of the X-Men stories are predicated on the notion that, let's say, you're a guy who sprouts wings in Times Square, that everybody's going to run away screaming or hate you. Well, not everyone. No, right. Some people are going to want to have wings, too. Some people are going to want to date you. Somebody might touch you. Exactly. (laughs) Some people will want you to endorse their products. Right. So we we took that as our our point of departure for a book that ended up having a a good, prosperous run and, 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 and I think had something to say. So, um, you know, again, that was subversive in its own way, but, but at the end of the day, you know, you, if you measure that against what, what's going on in mainstream comics right now, it, it's maybe, it was maybe just a little bit ahead of its time. Way. But, I mean, like you say, it's just also one of the great things because it was so different than anything else. I remember when I first saw Extag, I was like, you know, what is this? But then, you know, I read an issue and I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. So it was really good to see. And speaking on that, how do you deal with, like I was talking before, with such a juggernaut? Like, there's a difference between having creator-owned comics where you can basically do whatever you want to do, and then where you have a corporate comic like with Spider-Man, and you had a, you know, beautiful genius story with Superior Spider-Man that a lot of people didn't really cut for, but in the end turned around to love. But now it's back to Peter Parker as Spider-Man. How do you deal with pushing the limits when you know you have to get pulled back in? Well, I think that it's just a different challenge. Um, remember, um, Marvel comics have been around, you know, in some form or another for 75 years, you know, the, it's at least 50 years of what you call modern comics, the superhero paradigm. And 
people have managed to tell incredible stories with those characters and not so incredible stories yeah. over the years with those characters because they're resilient and there's a lot of cross space. You know, certainly there's more cross space when you when you stare at a white sheet of paper and you invent everything from scratch. Um, but I like to look at it as a different challenge. And also a lot of the people doing creator own comic books right now um, are currently or were doing mainstream comics and almost certainly all of them grew up reading what you call mainstream comic books. Um, you know, Marvel characters are around for a reason. They they survive the test of time because they resonate. They speak yeah. to something with, with different audiences. So Peter Parker will never die. Well, in, in, over in the Ultimate Universe, we killed him and yeah. replaced him with Miles Morales. <laughs> but, say, but... but yes, Peter Parker could could die, you know, again, maybe not forever. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we can expect the return of Wolverine at some point in the future. You know, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so, you know, we actually touched upon it when you first sat down. You noticed um, Ben Amin's shirt. You mentioned um, the uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of controversy that comes with, obviously, the female form in comics, how they've been traditionally drawn or viewed. Um, how do you handle that? Like, what, I mean, it, it's a lot to even approach, but how do you just handle that, That the, 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 the constant backlash, I say? Well, we don't suffer constant backlash. I mean, occasionally there'll be moments when uh, a publisher, mm -hmm. including ourselves, will be called out on something we do. Right. Um, and you have to be prepared to, you know, buttress your arguments, you know, in your defense or not. I think that, you know, um, comic books are uh, a, a genre or a medium, a, a type of storytelling that's dominated by characters um, of heroic and unrealistic proportions. And it's been that way since the beginning of time. Mm. Um, now, I'm not saying that women haven't been sexualized in comic book comic books more than men over time. Nor am I saying that they're they're um, equally sexualized as men right now. Um, that said, comic books we we span a lot of of different um, comic books are a medium. They're not a genre. They tell all sorts of different stories. There's so many different types of artists out there, from Milo Manera, the the artist you're citing, to to Frank Cho, to Adrian Tomine. You know, there's so many different artists out there that that um, approach drawing the form in in different ways. And um, we're art. We're we're not science. We we're we're a strange alchemy where, uh, you know, a writer, an editor, and an artist get together, go into a bunker, and come out the other side with the comic book. And sometimes mistakes will be made, but that's what art is about. You know, it, it's for every person that hated the Spider Woman cover, there was a person that loved it. My my wife loved that cover. She thought it was beautiful. Um, is she any less wrong? It, does it make her right or wrong? I don't know. Right. Um, I think that what what's good is that you have conversation and you come out the other side, you know, having learned something uh, uh, about, about that. But uh, what I will say is, you know, art is art for a reason. And that's the moment you start imposing rules that this artist or that artist can't work on a book. You're going down a dangerous path, a dangerous path. A very limited path. Definitely. All right. We're going to take a quick break right here, but we'll be right back with more fan bros and more Axel Alonso. Yo, Internet world, what's good? I go by the name of Jabari. And first off, if you're at a computer, even if you're on your phone, I don't care where you're at right now. If you have Internet, you need to do a few things. You need to like fan bros on Facebook. You need to follow fan bros on SoundCloud. What else do you need to do? Subscribe. Subscribe. On iTunes. Subscribe on iTunes. And give a good rating. Don't just subscribe. Give a good rating, man. Word. Right. Leave a comment. Five stars, comments, all that there. Word up. Thanks, Jabari. Welcome back, fanbros. I hope you've been enjoying this interview with Axel Alonzo. It's been great so far. We got a lot more in store. Axel, I got a big question. We were talking about current events and whatnot. And the X-Men comic in particular has always been a comic that has dealt with civil rights. It was based on the idea of, like you were saying, a a mutant appearing and people learning to deal with something from the other side. And recently there's been a lot of drama in, like we said, we were talking about Ferguson, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of talk, a lot of protests about police brutality and whatnot. And will we see this reflected in the X-Men or in any Marvel comic coming up anytime soon? Well, I think that, you know, comics as a whole, at Marvel, we, we, um, we take measure of the world in which we live. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a long tradition of of um, commenting on and uh, reflecting world events. Um, but by the same token, we, we, we really try and avoid editorializing here. Um, you know, we, we're, we're storytellers, and the most potent thing we can do is, is speak through metaphor. Uh, and so, you know, were we to, you know, certainly all of the editors have taken measure of what went down in Ferguson, and, um, you know, we're not a political party, so there may be a variety of different opinions in the room um, where we just sit down and have, a, you know, an organized conversation about the subject matter. I think it's inevitable that something like that will get picked up on, picked up by a writer who has something to say, and then really it will be in our hands to figure out um, whether we agree with it, if this is the Marvel message, and um, and and uh, and go for it. And that that's on on all topics. You know, we did a we did an issue where there was a gay wedding. You know, two two characters are married, right. and you know um, that was not advocacy. Gay people get married. Yeah. I was going to say. This is the world in which we live. We told a story. And if you read the story, you'll see that there were some superheroes that did not agree with that. They did not recognize the validity of the marriage. And there were others that embraced it. That's the world within which we live. Um, So I use that as an example where we we try and be measured. Um, We try and speak beyond politics and speak to morality and common sense. You know, and speak. I love that issue too. And speaking of it, I was kind of surprised that uh, I'm not sure the character's name, Lalandra's sister or the CR warrior, mm-hmm. was you know opposed to it. I was like, you know, I figured you know with her history that she would be you know <laughs> down for that. Down. You know, but that yeah, it's a great issue. And like you said, it wasn't an editorial. It showed all different sides of it. A beautiful thing right there. And thank you for that one very much. Um, also, given that the comics industry, like I was so happy to see at the writers uh, retreat you just had that the author of Miss Marvel was there, but that it's still mainly primarily non-minority creators. How do you think that creating a comic in a similar style to Miss Marvel will ever become the norm? More comics like Miss Marvel? Yes. Uh, without a doubt. I mean, I think that that um, and this is an affirmative action. This is capitalism. <laughs> you know, this is the world within which we live. People, um, people like to see themselves reflected in, in um, their entertainment. Yes. Uh, they they look for truth. They look, um, they look look for something that 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 speaks to them. So you know, I I, I look at Ms. Marvel as being a game changer because uh, a book that might not have survived five years ago is prospering right now, not only in print form but also in digital, where it's just selling crazy numbers. Because it, it's an impulse buy, right. um, you know. G. Willow Wilson, the writer, and Adrian Alfona are, are an incredible creative team. Um, Willow is, is Muslim, and so she knows about what she writes. She writes from experience, um, and um, like I said, this is, there's no editorial here. Very subtle touch Willow has with this character. It's very real. Um, uh, w- uh, the title character Kamala Khan is a. 16-year-old girl, mm-hmm. Pakistani girl, lives in Jersey City. She grew up looking across the river at the fabulous city, the superheroes within, wishing she could be one of them. Hey, does that hit, ring bells with people? You don't need to be a 16-year-old <laughs> Pakistani girl be... to relate to that. I love the book. <laughs> exactly. I, you don't know, I assure are. you, I'm not a 16-year-old Pakistani girl from Jersey City, but I relate to that. Yes. And I think that's the key thing is that there's, there's her, her story is universal. And in that sense, you know, for the 21st century... She she might speak to the 21st century the same way that Peter Parker spoke to the 20th century and captured generations of readers. I'm 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 betting on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, pretty right. much. Yeah, right. definitely. So you mentioned really like quickly. You mentioned that you know that that particular comic almost didn't make it. And you know there are times where 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 books and stories don't they you know, they just for whatever reason don't don't come through on the other side. What what are the factors that lead to a cancellation of a series? Well, first of all, I'll agree with you. The road is paved with books we wished weren't canceled. Right. Books that deserve to, to land, you know, to stick. <laughs> Poor yeah. Ben Ami, yeah. he's going through his Ben Ami's almost in tears over <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, uh, you know, who hasn't lost a, a loved book? Um yeah. you know, the 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 biggest factor is sales, obviously. Um whether or not a book uh, can find the audience it needs and you know, obviously, like like movies, comics have budgets. the mm-hmm. The talent associated with them, it costs different. The so you know, at the end of the day, it's it's whether or not we hit a sustainable margin, and 
we will float a book that doesn't hit the right margin, um, but there there's a there's a period after which we we have to figure out ways to reinvigorate yes. uh, that title um, to keep it alive, um, to reboot it or or what have you. Uh, so it, it's it's definitely a challenge, and um, it's one that we get better and better at doing. I think that I see in comic books um, a trend toward a seasonal model, which is comparable to what we see in some of our favorite television shows. You know, you know, be it you know Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad, you've got a, a season that tells an arc of a story, and then you come back for another season, and that 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 season tells a story, but it also leaves some plot threads hanging and something. But it allows, you know, allows for you to digest something and come out the other side anticipating more. And I think that maybe we're moving towards something like that mm. um, here in mainstream comics. Maybe not. We don't know. Um, but, but yeah, you know, to, to get back to your point, uh, uh, we, we fight hard for, for the books that we know deserve to be on the stands. And if they don't make it, we cry a little bit more than you do. Trust me. <laughs> so they're all your little babies. No doubt. <laughs> Only babies don't grow up to be eleven-year-olds that you want to, you know, kick yeah. out in the street. <laughs> so, um, speaking of that, I know you spoke on the Save Storm campaign, and you said that you know the rumors of people saying, "Well, this book is about to get canceled," probably aren't good for the creators, you know, because it's like, well, damn, you know, they don't know everything behind the scenes. And you said that there might be something coming up with Secret Wars or any number of things that might not, you know, mean that this book is getting canceled just because of the numbers. So what can people do other than spread the word of mouth and buy the series to help save Storm? Well, to clarify, and it, and it does answer your question, um, what I was saying is that there, there are a number of Internet journalists that want to be the first to call the election, so to speak. Mm. Uh, or in this case, I like to say... They like to look at the patient's vital signs, and they want to be the first one to say, he's dead. I called it. Right. I called it. First. Yeah, I got it. I called first. And the, the thing about it is that, un unfortunately, um, in society now, there's very little filter between rumor and, and, and news. And so a lot of people pick up on this, believing this to be the case. It might affect their interest in buying that title because it's not going to be around that much longer. And retailers might be incentivized to underorder. So what I was saying there is that, especially right now in this era, um, no one has all the facts but us, but the publisher. We know what our commitment is to that character or title. We know what our larger game plan is corporately, which includes animation divisions, video games, movies. Um, we, we have the big picture. Mm -hmm. um, we also have access to digital sales. So the traditional methods of determining whether or not a book is going to be around next month uh, are obsolete at this point. So to get back to your question, I'd say the first thing you can do as a consumer is wait until Marvel tells you or or <laughs> DC comic books for that matter, in fairness to any publisher. Wait until you hear the publisher tell you. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is spread the word. If you like something, support it in, pa in, in, in comic book form. Um, I know there's a temptation to wait for trade. Um, but if you love that book, buy the periodical. Mm. Because if you wait for trade, it might not make it to trade. Yeah. Or you might get one trade and out. So really it comes down to that. It's the same thing as, you know, people that, that you know, if you love your music, support the artist. You know, um, yeah. this, if you if you like that book, support it. Um, really as simple as that. I would have to take your advice. I usually wait for the trades, but I... I yeah. <laughs> I no, I, look, I understand the temptation. I, I try and say that without judgment. Yeah. And I know everybody, you know, it's hard making ends meet sometimes. Um, but for that, you know, you don't have to buy all books. But if, if you really love Storm or you really love Ms. Marvel and you want that book to be around, don't wait for the trade. <laughs> um, ben Amin mentioned something that, you know, that's really big, really huge. We got a bunch of annoying emails about it. And then finally we got the big Secret Wars email. Is there anything besides that reveal video, anything you could tell us about it? Well, all I can say is, you know, this event is, it's its a massive event. Um, it's the mother of all events because every other event we've planned, we said, how does this fit into Secret Wars? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're, we're this is a game-changing thing, no hype for the Marvel Universe. And really, you know, as we said, everything ends. So yeah. I, I, I have to tease you a little bit more, otherwise my... Uh, 
my uh, some people at Marvel would kill me. Um, <laughs> that, that, that let's just say or higher up the food chain. But uh, look, you know, this is this is a this is a huge event. Um, you know, come April or May, uh, the Marvel Universe is Battle World. Mm-hmm. Battle World is the Marvel Universe. There is nothing else. It's not an alternate reality. It's not a different timeline. It is the Marvel Universe. Wow. And um, and we're going to have to reconcile that. Uh, and the stories that happen, um, they're forever. They they affect the Marvel Universe forever. They're not... We're not putting a genie back in a bottle. We we're 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 really messing things up. Now, does this mean there's a reboot? Make your own conclusions. Um, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to discourage you or encourage you. <laughs> you had everything in yeah, yeah, as yeah, one yeah, of the yes. promos. Yeah. Are we going to see more than just what we've seen? Like we saw Fall the Mutants. I think we had uh, Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies. Um, I know someone asked you about Atlantis Attacks. Are we going to get some contests of champions in there? Is it how deep? Through the Marvel lore, are we going? We haven't revealed everything okay. um, that we intend on mm-hmm. doing, and we're going to have a rollout plan where we're going to explain, uh, clarify for everybody, fans and retailers, exactly what they're going to see on comic stands, you know, come April and May uh, and beyond. Um, the, the the key thing is that uh, it's it's for real. It's it's big. It's for real. Uh, and the, the, the stories we're doing... Um, they're not tie-ins. They're 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 the Marvel universe. Uh, I think that's one important distinction to be made. There, there really aren't tie-ins anymore. There's there's Secret Wars and there's the Marvel universe um, going forward. Okay, you said Beyond. I gotta ask mm-hmm. you: Are we gonna get a Jerry Curl Beyonder? Well, his hairstyle might be a little bit different. <laughs> um, what I will say is that you know you know Secret Wars was the original. Yes. Um, the original. Um, no one can wear Jericho but Ice Cube circa like nineteen eighty eight or what have you. But I think that um you know, what you have um is is um uh an original story that echoes the first Marvel crossover called Secret Wars. Uh the big similarity is Battleworld. Beyond that it's it's a completely new story with new characters and uh mm-hmm. new conflict and there will be fighting. I believe it. Okay, so I have to. I want to backtrack just a little bit. We I, we got to talk again about Black Panther. Like you, you even said that that's one of your favorites. And you know, obviously, it's been announced that that movie is coming. And where we were elated, ecstatic. I think we even dedicated one whole episode to it. I saw that. Yeah. Now, from your viewpoint, like you're you're behind the glass door, so you're like, I don't know for for your point like do you feel like oh i'm beyond that i already know what's about to happen you guys have no idea i'm I'm off that already like or are you just as i don't know just feverishly excited about this um i i have the same excitement that you do i have the excitement of a fan you know Mm -hmm. and um you know as things unfold i'll be i'll have better optic than what's going on than the average person but but uh you know at this moment now sitting here on this couch i've got the same eager anticipation as you do as as that of a fan um, and I'm really curious to see what Kevin and his, and his crew do. I've been so impressed, um, and I really mean this, to see what Kevin Fahey and Marvel Studios have done with these movies because they've stayed so true to the source material. They've managed to to strip mine decades of stories and distill them down into one digestible, heartfelt movie. Um, and nowhere is a triumph bigger than with Guardians of the Galaxy, you know? Mm few months ago everybody was like these guys are crazy what are they doing a, a movie with a raccoon with a ray gun mm-hmm, a tree mm-hmm. this is crazy marvel has made a mistake there were so many people out there saying this is it um like they're probably saying about ant-man you know <laughs> but the long and short of it is you know kevin and his his crew they've they've made very smart decisions about starting with the script the bedrock upon which these movies are built a, a script that honors continuity that honors the source material Directors that know what they're doing, um, and of course the casting of actors that really are appropriate for those roles. Um, so you know, I'm counting on Black Panther uh, being uh, being my favorite Marvel movie. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Black Panther and minorities and film and everything, I know people are always asking, you know, how do we get more minorities into the creative positions? But what about behind the scenes? Like, what? challenges that you face becoming editor of Marvel Chief as a person of color and do you think they still exist and how can they be broken down that's a good question and a tough question um 
I'd say if I faced any challenge, it's what I kind of said earlier, is that, that when I grew up, um, I never ever considered this as a career. Uh, I didn't know how you got into this career. I didn't have an uncle or a friend or just the idea of, of entertaining a, a career in entertainment in any way, shape, or form didn't seem like an option. Um, so I, I, I made practical decisions. Um, I'd say that if there were any obstacles more, that, that my experience was one where uh, I I worked while I went to school, uh, put myself through school. Um, so when I was in college, I drove a produce truck from 4.30 in the morning to 12.30. I took all my classes in the afternoon. Fringe benefit was I, I left little, uh, I drove a produce truck so I would woo young women with baskets of fruit, but that's its own story. <laughs> But um, but I, I also, you know, I was always tired. <laughs> I couldn't stay out that late because I had to be up at 3.30 in the morning to drive that truck. So I never did things like internships or any of the things that allow you to position yourself or have yeah. face time with, um, with the people who will eventually hire you. Um, I had to rely on, on hard work and good luck to get there. And without that good luck, I wouldn't be here because mm. luck is the final ingredient. Um, but as, as far as... as 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 racism goes and all the rest, the the racism I felt was 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 um was I wouldn't look at it as being a major impediment. Um, mm. I I think that you know, depending upon my haircut and my beard length, I, I look I look as Arab as I look Spanish, you know. And and again, racially ambiguous. I am I'm racially ambiguous. You know, I shave <laughs> and I grow my hair out. If I if I well, I haven't grown out in a while, but. You know, I, I I think that that I can pass for Italian or Greek or what have you. It depends upon, so so, you know. And I grew up around a lot of black kids because I played basketball. So I, you know, I talk about confused when I'm around <laughs> when I'm around Hispanics. When I'm around Hispanics, I I I, I feel white. When I'm around whites, I feel Hispanic. I'm like ah crazy. Help me out here. <laughs> um, but you know, again, I think that the main thing for me really starts with the fact that I I um. With my background, and I had the most wonderful parents. I love them to death. My father is deceased. My mom is still alive. I live in San Francisco, and they gave me everything, everything. Um, they spoiled me in the ways that they could. Mm. Um, but but the one thing that they couldn't give me was, hey, you know Uncle Charlie? He runs his business over here. He'll grease the tracks for you. Uh, uh, that's really the only, the only uh, little uh, violin I will play for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how did you, since we're talking about the, about your mom and your dad, how did you get your name? That's funny. Um, Axel means king of peace, okay? Oh. Now I assure you I am not the king of peace. <laughs> uh, my father is Mexican and Spanish. He's from Mexico. And my mother is British. She's from England. And somehow those two met in San Francisco. And as the story goes, my father was introduced to a young woman, a model named Ann Lewis, and he didn't like Anne, but he really liked her sister Constance, who became my mother. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, they 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 you know they got married. They they read a book um, by an author named Axel Monthe. They both liked it. They decided Axel would be my name. That's a very strong oh. name. I mean, I, the only one I really know of like Axel Rose, but <laughs> exactly. I love it now. I did not love it as a kid. I used to beg my parents to rename me either Fred or Sinbad. No oh. joke. Sinbad. No joke. Sinbad. Like Back... Sinbad the sailor. There was a, this not was... like the comedian. This is pre-Sinbad the comedian <laughs> okay. days. This is purely the guy with the turban and the sword. Sinbad Alonso. Yeah, I'm very glad they did not. <laughs> oh, they did thank, not do that. Thank yeah, the it, Lord. It worked out. All right, you're from San Fran, and you're you know you just talk about basketball. So I gotta ask you, how do you feel about the Warriors right now? I feel pretty darn good. <laughs> it, it could not. Y'all having a good year in sports all around right well, now. Well, the 49ers the morning, didn't make the yeah. playoff yet. Yeah, I hear you. No, yeah. I, it's it's a wonderful the Giants victory. They win every other year, and uh, no, I, I'm I'm a huge Golden State fan. As anyone who knows me knows, and uh, more importantly, I love their brand of ball. Uh, I just love the Splash Brothers. Their beautiful basketball, Ooh. the ball movement. They're like the Spurs if the Spurs weren't boring, you know, with the ball movement. And what's what the little shot? Oh, sorry about that. Hey, I respect the Spurs. Hey, I respect the Spurs. The Spurs haters. I am not one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Axel got bars too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, uh, no, I, 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 I'll take that back. Uh, that was reflexive. I, 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 I really, I respected what they did to the Miami Heat. It was, it was, a, yes. it was a thing of beauty, yes. no doubt. Kawhi Leonard's for real. Yes. Yeah. No, I like it. And, uh, and uh, no, it, it's, it's a good time. And my, my, uh, my son Tito is a, he's a true baller. Okay. He's 11 years old. I'll show you some video after this. 
of him in action, but he plays a lot like Steph Curry. Ooh. Do not let him roll off a screen. He will hit it from anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. right? Yeah, he's ridiculous. Clean yeah. jump shot. Yeah, um, no, I, I'm a Lakers fan, so, you know, it's it's a horrible year for me. But I, I love, you know, Steph Curry is, like, one of my favorite young players. Just watching him play is just, like, a thing of beauty. Like, no doubt. Well, I'm not a Lakers fan, as you yeah, might expect. No, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting because as Kobe's grown older, I've grown, um, I don't know, something happens. You just start to like him you got as he enters yeah. old age, you know. You it's creaky. You know that knee doesn't feel the same. He can't jump the way he still out there, you know, going for it. Cause I no was, doubt. I was a Shaq, you know, Phil Jackson, Magic fan. Kobe in, but right now, you know, it's just like you got to go. I feel your pain. Yeah. Golden State, I've had some rough no. years. Trust me. You've been there. Trust me. Yes. He's I've still suffered. out there telling people off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Always. Always. So you're also, um, so, so we want to move away from Marvel because it's like a huge, well, I mean, it's also in the same realm, but you're a huge Walking Dead fan, right? Yes, I am. So how do you feel about this season? Well, in full disclosure, let me let me rewind and say, I'm not a Walking Dead, Walking Dead fan so much as I am, quite possibly the biggest zombie fan on the planet. Ah, okay. okay, that goes way back to the Romero films and yes. seeing them in triple features. I think I've seen every zombie film. The same way people go geek crazy for comic books, I do on zombies. Mm. You know, I can talk, I can talk into the late hours of the morning, arguing over fast zombies versus slow zombies, and I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead. I have not seen the current season because I am a binger. Ah. And okay. every year I go to Jamaica with my wife, and when we're not on the beach or drinking rum punches, we watch the whole season in one glorious binge. You got some Dead Island yeah. thing going yeah, on. Exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to the season. I've enjoyed um, the, the previous four seasons a lot. I love the characters. Okay. I've gotten some spoilers, unfortunately. I was going to so say, I think I know how, what do you're you, saying. how do you, even on Twitter, just everywhere, how do you even survive that? It's a difficult <laughs> obstacle course to navigate. Trust me. I've, I've heard more than I want to ah. know at this point. I know about people that die, but you know, it's still, it's worth that week in Jamaica. It really is to just binge through it and, and enter a different world, you know? Yeah. I never get that much time, you know, and that's the one time I get it. I, you know? I, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's your favorite uh, zombie film then? Wow. Favorite zombie film? I'd say uh, for the pure experience of seeing in the cinema, it would be the original Dawn of the Dead, wow. which um, which blew me away as a young boy. I remember just, just everything about it from the zombies themselves and the way you dropped into the this apocalyptic um, scenario um, to sort of the fantasy element of being able to go to the mall and do whatever you want. Um, I thought that um, uh, the the James Gunn written um, Dawn of the Dead uh, remake was also excellent. And yes. as, as a lot of people slept on that. Oh, no. And, and a lot of people, oh, running zombies, whatever. Get over it. Yes. It's a great movie. Hell yes. I think the first 15 minutes of that film is one of the best Oof. horror movies of all time. Oh, man. The, 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 the outbreak <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in, in suburbia, it, it's just truly amazing. Um, and uh, I, I love the, the book, um, World War Z, which if you haven't read, The Oral History of the Zombie War is wonderful. Such an intelligent and smart book. It's really more about... about man than it is about zombies um that said i enjoyed the the world war z movie it was not the book i was gonna say yeah. did you because it was a complete departure it had nothing to do with the book but i enjoyed it on its own merits i just think again for what it's worth it could have had any any title and been anything i was surprised how much i liked it given all the rumors about the strife during production and the scrapped yeah. ending i think that they somehow amazingly pulled that train back on the tracks and and made it work but I am partial to zombie movies. I'm inclined to like it unless it's really bad. So take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> no, definitely. Dawn is still the the remake I love. But like you said, I didn't get to see the original in the theater. But when I mm -hmm. when I saw it on video, it was like I'd seen the one before it, of course, and I'd seen a lot. But it just hurt me because the part that always hurts me is when the bikers roll in and start killing everyone. And it's just like... Ain't it messed up enough already? Yeah, I, Did y'all really I, yeah. have to roll in here and exactly. start shooting people? Like, oh, too, and I was I was a little kid. I don't even know how I got in. Oh, we snuck God. in. L full disclosure: crushed. we snuck into the theater. We did not get in. You know, and we, it was a triple feature and I, I was not ready for that no. or the guy with his guts getting pulled out. I was like, ah, I couldn't go home and talk with my mom or my dad about it. Cause they'd be mad that I went, you know, but, but yeah, I, I, again, I, I see that if, if I had to pick one, it would be that one. Man. All right. Switching gears again real quick. I got to, the numbers are in Star Wars, the comic, a million sold. A milli, a milli, a million. In 2014? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the best-selling comic book in 20 years. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, since X-Men. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's amazing. And we have, uh, this is an instance where, you know, we have a lot of things going on in our favor. Um, the first is it's Star Wars. Uh, the second, it's Star Wars returning home to Marvel, where it began. You know, we we had dibs first on, on, on those characters in comic book form. And then, you know, equally important, it's the creators involved. You know, we brought out the big guns, Jason Aaron, John Cassidy, Kieran Gillen, Salvador La Roca, oh. Mark Way, Terry Dotson, you know, we're we're playing for real this time. So and I think when you when you when you read these comic books, you don't if you lived under a rock and for some reason you don't know anything about Star Wars, I truly believe you can pick up the first issue of any of these comics and it will get you in the way that a a new season of T V would. Man, like Jason Aaron, I talk about him on the show all the time. He's the mm -hmm. author of Scalped. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fan bros, if you, I mean, obviously most of you have already pre-ordered this book, but if you haven't, you know, check it out because, and John Cassidy is just, you know, one of the all-time greats of any. And he's also one of the biggest Star Wars geeks you'll ever meet. Because wow. he's Mr. Smooth. He walks into a room, he looks like a male model. Everybody's like, he's I, the best-looking guy him. in comic books. All the way. <laughs> and, and an amazing talent. He's really serious. He's yeah. got this Texas accent. He's about my height. So, you know, it's, he's got a lot going on. But then you get him talking about Star Wars, you're like, whoa, oh, Poindexter, slow down. Just the glasses on oh, He knows everything. He knows everything. You know, it's great. I love it. It's charming. Um, I wanted to, I'm, I'm a big anime fan. Like, I've, I guess my first anime was DBZ, Dragon Ball Z. Are you into anime at all? Only marginally. I think it's it's past my time. Mm. Um, I think that uh, I certainly respect it. Mm -hmm. um, um, it's a vibrant art form, but I've never really accessed reading it the way that others have. Mm -hmm. um, just a little bit with manga as well, where, where mm -hmm. I, I'm able to access some manga very well and others is just very for lack of a better word, foreign to me. Yes. Uh, and hard to weed through. Right. Now, what about, like, in terms of, because there are a lot of Marvel, com excuse me, Marvel characters that have been animeized, if you will. Sure. You know, like, you have, like, the, um, what did I see before? I saw Iron Man and, uh, but just a bunch of random characters. Like, how, uh, even though it may be hard to access, how do you feel about that just different, I guess, look? I think it's great. I think it's healthy. I think mm -hmm. that, you know, the artists are always taking cues from what they see around them. Uh, they're 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 gathering influences mm -hmm. so to see this dialogue going on between what we're doing and what artists and other comic dis book disciplines are doing i think it's healthy it helps everyone evolve and at the end of the day it helps build new things you know there was a time when you know if you take a look at you know, hip-hop as an example hip-hop was over here and rock was over there and then you had little things happen you know even that corny walk this way by run dmc and aerosmith broke down some doors and now now you're at a point where you see incredible dialogue between two musics that maybe don't seem to have a lot in common you know mm -hmm. you know there's a, there's a bit of rock and run the jewels for example yes. so i think that this is it's a good thing i think it's always healthy for artists to um look at stuff around them and, and not be afraid to be influenced by it Speaking on Run the Jewels, did you get to see the concert in New York? I did not because I was in Puerto Rico. Oh, I man. was invited backstage and stuff, and I'm like, I was killing myself, but I said, you know. Watching a zombie movie. I'd rather be in Puerto Rico right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I already have my my, my, uh, my tickets. I was yeah. out there with a track star as a friend of mine, so I was up there with him, and it was, like you said, it was a rock and roll concert. It no was doubt. full yeah. on mosh yeah. pit. It was intense. I mean, yeah. We're speaking again. Which one? Run the jewels one or run the jewels two? Two. Ooh. Yeah, two. Yeah. I think two's a masterpiece. Mm. I really do. I think through and through. I'm, I'm rarely impressed by a record um, to that degree. You know, we live in an era where there's, and you know what I'm talking about. There's an album and there's a, a two or three tracks we just breeze right by. Like ah, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is just one of those rare records where every everything is is no perfect. Um, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite, but uh, oh my darling is hard to beat. I I, I just forget it. That's like, uh, yeah, it's that was the first one they leaked, right? Yeah, that was yes, the first. Was. Oh, I yeah. I had that one. I would just play it on loop on my iPod, just over, 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 and over again until I got the album. Oh, I, when yeah. I hear that song, I, I believe I can dunk a basketball. It's like it's it's absolutely nothing gets you more pumped up than that. Yeah, because I was in the gym with that one on loop. Yeah, loop, you're lifting loop. a lot more. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, straight up and down. Get big. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fan bros, let's take another break, and we'll be right back to wrap up this interview with Axel Alonzo.
Don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud, to like us on Facebook, and subscribe on iTunes. But what are they subscribing to? To Fan Bros. Awesome. Perfect. And welcome back, Internets. I hope you've been enjoying this episode with Axel Alonzo. Been having a great time here. I've got a couple more questions, and we're going to get to the world-famous rap segment. But first of all, you've got CM Punk writing for you. I'm a big wrestling fan, by the uh-huh. way. Huge. You met him at a party. You didn't <laughs> even know he was a wrestler. <laughs> and you hired him. So my question is, you know, how does someone, an unknown, you know, possibly someone on this podcast, get mm-hmm. into the comics field? Well, that's a good question. We get asked all the time. And I say wh- what it comes down to is that um, comic books, Marvel Comics is sort of like the big leagues for sports. Um, and to get there, you, you, you need to, to play yourself into position for that. You know, the, the, the easiest way to, to get there is to create comics without a permission. Don't wait around for us to hire you. Go off and create your own comic book. Um, make it a, um, a you know a, a digital comic book, a webisode, whatever it is. Um, if you're a writer and you don't have an artist, use social media to find yourself an artist. If you're an artist without a writer, ditto. If you're if this is important to you, and you're a writer, and you can't find an artist who's up to your caliber, you might consider hiring them. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be a worthwhile investment in your future mm-hmm. to produce something that shows what you can do. Um, but like I said, the, 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 the prevailing advice I would say is don't wait for our advice to make comics. Make them yourself. Get noticed. A lot of people that you see who are doing comic books right now for us are people who, who did exactly that. Sam Humphreys, who's one of our writers at The Retreat, he, he produced a little comic book called Our Love is Real. He self-produced it. He hired an artist. He wrote it. Um, he came up with an interesting format. Um, it was a, uh, idiosyncratic story, very hard edged, funny, dark. He sent it to editors. You know, I don't know exactly how much he spent, but money he might've spent on video games and DVDs. He spent on putting together this comic book and, and it was good. It got noticed. It eventually made its way to me and a few of my editors. And a number of us thought there was something there. Look where he is now. So I'd say that that's the real thing is if you want to do it, do it. Don't wait for us to pay you uh, to do it. Uh, just do it. Dope. All right. I would assume now that you're editor in chief, you're, you know, like I said, you before you worked on a lot of quirky books, you had a lot of hands on. You worked for some of the best authors in the business, you know, created some of the best series of the last decade or so. But now as, you know, the head, do you have less of a creative side or are you more worried about the financial side and how do you balance them and you know well i'm aware of the financial side but i i I don't spend much time in my day contemplating finance what what i what i I, i'm aware of numbers and tracking and where we where we stand the the main thing is i have to worry about the line as a whole i i don't line edit as much i will find projects that um i'll get more involved in and maybe hover over an editor's shoulder a little bit more to the point that they're sick of me (laughs) um i will make recommendations on talent um, I will veto talent choices that I think are inappropriate or don't work. Um, I try to have a, um, uh, how to put it, I try not to be overbearing or micromanaging. But, you know, obviously at the end of the day, I, I have to use my years of, of experience to try and help shape the line. But th- the great thing is I have a wonderful staff, um, really smart editors who, who know what they're doing. Um, and so part of anything, part of it is just me learning not to be a control freak and a micromanager, yeah. which I've gotten better over time. But no, my job is primarily creative. Um, it's about the line as a whole. It's about individual stories. Um, it's it's very much about, about the story and, and less about the numbers. Dope. Indeed. All right. Well, I think that's a you know, perfect ending to that. Yep. And now it's time for the brat segment, our rapid fire segment of the show. And we have I'm nervous. Axel <laughs> every time, man. Yeah. Everyone. Ninety percent of the people who who encounter the brat segment say they're either nervous, nervous. or they're the other ten percent right. are just really excited and confused. All right. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> All right. Well, you're in the ninety percent then. Yes. All right. All right. Number one, Falcon or the War Machine. Falcon. All right. I, I knew that. I knew you're a big fan of Falcon. He's but Captain America, man. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> War Machine is, you know, still the sidekick. Look, yeah. Falcon, I, I grew up reading back issues of the 
Captain America book when it was called Captain America and the Falcon. And what I loved was the Falcon was like Cap's conscience. And I, mm. quite frankly, I related to Sam Wilson more than I did to Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers was great. He was goody two shoes. Sam Wilson, he knew the deal, you know, and I felt it as a little kid. And that's why I loved him. That's why seeing him now as Captain America, it feels right. The funny thing is, I didn't like Captain America until there was uh, mm-hmm. an issue with Ron Lim drew it, and he the series was something about ice, and he got hooked on drugs. He like mm-hmm. broke up a crack house, and the drugs got into <laughs> his system, and he was just like an asshole cap for a few issues, yeah. and yeah. that's when I was like, yes. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's an idea character. for our next run, asshole cap <laughs> after all new Captain America. That like drunk Superman. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like so far Falcon is kind of inhabiting that role. You know, he's mm-hmm. not as as, but he's you know he's mm-hmm. a little stern and tough. I like mm-hmm. it though. All right. All right. The Wire or Breaking Bad. Boy, is that tough. <laughs> oh, man, you know, uh, that is a great question. Um, I'm going to go with Breaking Bad, but I think The Wire was more important. Okay. If it were only the Omar story and the subplot of um, the, 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 if I took one, two, one, three, four of The Wire, I, I, I think it beats Breaking Bad. But it's lowered, the curve is lowered by the weaknesses of two and a little bit of five. Whereas Breaking Bad built to a crescendo, mm. it's it's a coin toss, but I'm going to go with Breaking Bad based on the weaknesses of the, of the wire. But the wire, Omar story, forget it. Wow. <laughs> no, no, I see you guys nodding. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's not a wire fan yet. Oh. We're working on that. But, hey. yeah. but, but no love for the docs? I like the docs. Um, in fact, I think it's underrated. I, I just think that that it was less intriguing to me. Okay. Ultimately, I know what they were doing. Yes. But I found the 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 core story, the, the really the 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 vibrancy of the African American characters and the variety of the characters phenomenal, like unprecedented in television. And so I to go through the detour to the the blue collar white was a departure I didn't want to take as as good as it was I didn't want I wanted to stay where I was thank you very much I think that's what most yeah. people have a problem with and I was. couldn't wait for Omar come yes. on bring him back you know <laughs> and, you know just I, he was such a, a a screen stealer so yeah I started with two so it was it wasn't like that for me so I started with two and then I went back and saw one and then I understood why people were like that but you know was, I became yeah. invested in those characters and their fates and I I wanted to stay at that it to stay that way yeah yeah uh Storm or Jean Grey Storm no problem. No Easy. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, fast zombies or slow zombies? Fast. Why? Wow. Uh, I think it's scarier. Okay. Uh, I think it, it's scarier to know that they're not going to tire out. They're going to keep coming at you. Um, now, they don't need to be sprinting. I think that there's some problems there if they're sprinting. So not but 28 I, days later. I, li- I like, yeah, 20 days 20 days aren't really zombies. They're, right. they're, they're, they're not the walking dead. Yeah, they're yeah. infected. Yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, when you ask me fast or slow, I'd, I'd prefer to see a great movie with a fast zombie because that scares the hell out of me. The fact that if they see me, I can't, I, I better, I cannot run them. Right. And they're not going to tire. So right. that's pretty terrifying. So I know that's sacrilege to all the zombies out there. They're saying <laughs> I'm a fake zombie lover. But I get what you're saying. I mean, in real life, if something is, I don't know, down the block, a city block away, and it's moving at you at one mile an hour. No doubt. Hey, that, that scene in, in the Dawn of the Dead remake in Suburbia, where the, the guy comes out of his house, he sees the car, and he just starts running. And you know, that guy's never going to tire out. No. He's just going to keep running. Yeah. That That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Cool. Uh, your favorite non-Marvel character? Favorite non-Marvel character, Wonder Woman. Oh. oh, I like that. What was the favorite Wonder Woman series? Anyone where she was tied up on the cover. No. <laughs> um, I don't know. But he, he, they were on to something. Yeah. That's just levels. They were on to something. They were on to something. No, I remember I, my, first, my first Wonder Woman comic had her tied back to back with another woman. Oh. And I'm like... I like this. It was. It, I was just like, what? I was little. I didn't quite know why. But uh, anyway, I like that. no. But I love Wonder Woman. I think she's she's a, an amazing character. Um, um, I'm I'm truly saddened, and I don't say it as a rival. I'm saddened by the fact that she hasn't gotten traction. Um, uh, it, it's long past time that she's going to make her way to silver screen. And all joking about ropes aside, I think she's perfect, strong role model. You know, and and again, I um, I uh, I would have loved to have edited her when I was at DC Comic Books, without a doubt. All right, Luke Cage or Black Panther? Don't make me pick, but I gotta go. <laughs> I have to go with Panther because Panther's—he's the Panther. He's the Panther. It's—it's it's a difficult decision. 
it's one of those instances where it's like, you know, when when the Giants played the Royals in the World Series, I'm like, you know, if the Royals were playing any other team but the Giants right now, I'd yes. be rooting for them. Yes. Any other, other team. team. But they're playing against my Giants. I ain't rooting for them. Gotta go. It's the same thing. <laughs> Luke Cage against anybody. But you put them against Black Panther, it's Panther. Yeah. True indeed. Okay, this is the biggest question for our show. I already know the answer, but Star Wars versus Star Trek. Yeah, hands down, Star Wars. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the mythology—it's so rich and ripe, and it's just—it has everything. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's got religion. It's got science fiction. It invented the soap opera. Star Trek is great, um, but it's science fiction. It's science fiction melodrama. Um, it's science fiction melodrama. You know, yes. and and I think Star Wars. You know, again, uh, you know, I was, I was a little one when the Star movie came out. I'm old enough to have gone to the movie, but I was so young that my mom let me go with a crew of like 13 boys because she knew no one's gonna mess. With the crew of thirteen boys, yeah, and the oldest was like fourteen. We stood in line for nine hours. Wow, Geary Street, the Coronet Theater, at Geary Street, nine hours, three showings to go. That's how you saw Star Wars back in the day. Yep, you wow. earned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember Return of the Jedi line was around the theater three times. Yep, and that you know the yeah. li- around the I, theater I, I three you. times. You have to, right. like, you have to want to see that film. <laughs> let me say it again. <laughs> yeah, around the, the theater. theater, it was a problem. All right. Um... Magneto or Professor X? Magneto. Mm, yeah. More, richer, more interesting character. There's a lot of pain in his background yeah. that I relate to and his the anger. Um, you know, again, that's the old Malcolm X or Martin Luther King. Does, I, you know, I would probably pick King over X ultimately in the message, but in, in, in the world of fiction, I like Magneto. Definitely. Um, I'm going to have to make you pick one. Just for the purposes of this of this game, but what is your greatest personal success or triumph? My son. Yeah, he exceeded my wildest expectations, and I asked God. He's a beautiful boy. He's got a huge heart that I've known since since he was little. Um, he hates comic books. No interest <laughs> in comic books. Yeah, he put. Not everybody's perfect. He put his <laughs> arm around me. We put his arm around me. When he was about seven. He said, "Papa." Not that into comics, but he's, I asked God for one thing. I said, um, when I was a young man, I could play basketball and I said to God, please just let him be interested in basketball. I just asked for that. He is a straight right. up baller. baller. Right. So, mean, so you got what you want. I got what I wanted. This kid, yeah. forget it. He could play with anybody, anytime, older boys, older boys. If you can't score on him, he just passes and sets them up. Everybody wants to play with Tito. So he's my, he's my, my greatest accomplishment. Aww. Yeah. Nice. That that's best answer ever. Classic. And it's real. I'm not being mushy here. <laughs> of course not. I hate him most of the time. Trust me, he's 11 years old. <laughs> he's yeah. at that age. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, but. Cool. All right. Uh, what's your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Favorite Wesley Snipes movie. Um, hmm. I'm tempted to say Blade because the first Blade was so damn good. Um, but he, he had a small role in, in an incredible movie, King of New York, mm-hmm. that um, is way ahead of its time. Schooly D soundtrack. Ooh. Most slept on rapper of all time, Philadelphia, Schooly D. The if you echo, don't know him, look him up. Look him up. Look him up. But anyway. The Echo. Yeah. <laughs> Abel Ferrara loved Schooly D. Uh, Schooly Abel. D was a set. You know what I'm talking about. Look yeah, up yeah, Abel. Yeah, Come yeah. on. Look up Abel come Ferrara. On. Axel's yeah, over yeah. here dropping. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I'm it, sitting there like, wow. <laughs> Wesley Snipes was very good in that movie. A lot of people good even david caruso who i hate um i find annoying but uh <laughs> larry fishburne tore it up as a gold tooth you know yes. gangster yes. with an a you know yes. it was it was a great movie i would say i would say king of new york nice all right we're winding down to the final two questions um what is your favorite live action performance of a marvel character favorite live action performance um automatically my my gut goes with robert downey jr as iron man because it was perfect casting. Oh, yes. Um he 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 inhabits that role. Um he's become synonymous with with um Tony with Tony Stark. Stark yeah. Um you know, he he uh talk about casting um and uh, the nuance that he brings to that character, yeah. the pain that you see beneath the surface, the arrogance yeah. on the top, the fact that you you know that deep beneath the hubris lurks a good man. Um, I, I guess I got to stick with my first answer. Got to yeah. stick with RDJ. I, I I have to agree with you. That's a good one. That's how I grew up learning about comics through the through the cartoons, and I was there with the um you know the drunk Tony Stark that mm-hmm. those days. So like mm-hmm. I was so to see it in real life and being embodied like that, I'm like, 
Wow. I, I haven't seen him drunk yet, but, you know, maybe we'll see that. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those ones, like she said, as soon as they cast it, I was like, oh. Like, that's incredible. Take my money, you mm. know, like here, you know, you're about to win. Like, because, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. You got it. All right. If you could have any one superpower, what would it be? Wow. That's difficult. Um, it would be flight or super strength. But I'm trying to figure out which gets me more mileage in the real world. Mm-hmm. I'll go with super strength. Yeah. Just like I'm talking off the hook strength. <laughs> like, do not mess with me. Strength. You know, like Hulk, like beyond Hulk? Hulk strength. Hulk yeah. strength. I'm, Hulk, Hulk strength. I'm, Hulk I'm satisfied stronger. with even less than Hulk strength. Yeah. Just enough that no one will challenge me. Yeah. I think that's Except it. the Hulk. Yeah. Although flight sounds pretty good, too, because you get a good perspective on things. You can get places quick, but no, nah, I'm going to stick with strength. Strength is strength. practical. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you survived the brap segment, and you survived the interview with Fan Bros Show. Yay! Thank you very much, Axel, for joining us tonight on the spaceship. Uh, please let the Fan Bros out there know where they can find you at or anything else you want to let them know about before you get out of here. Sure. I, I My only social media presence is uh, Twitter. Um, and I believe my my handle is uh, Axel Alonzo Marv, which yes. is my name. Look it up, Marv. Yep. And uh, I'm an editor in chief of Marvel Comic Book, so you can write me there. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's mean, I'll have my assistant read it first, so <laughs> and take out all the curse words. All right. Yeah. I think you're pretty easy to find. You know, yeah. it's yeah. kind of yeah. a big deal in this business right here. Mm-hmm. And so, again, thank you so much. Was, thank you for having me. This, this was a joy. Yeah, This was an awesome interview. Yeah. We're really happy. In fact, you are, like, the biggest for our year. Like, you topped off our, our upcoming new year. and we're really... Now you got my ego all inflated. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah, like, yeah. we were just saying, man, like, this is a, an awesome way to close out 2014. So we appreciate you and thank you. Well, I hope my wife heard that. She's outside. <laughs> what a big deal I am. Yeah. <laughs> no dishes for you tonight, yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Anybody else we got a shout out before we get out of here, Tatiana? Shout out to my mom's, man. Her birthday was last week. Happy I, birthday, mama. I think you did that last week, though. But happy birthday, mama Tatiana no, again. No, she was really happy to be shouted out, man. She was like, oh, can you talk about me a little bit more often? Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. There you go, ma. Fat bros. Fat bros.